Welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that has caught our eye this week. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James, and with me is Senior Editor Matt. Hello. And Adventure Editor Crafty. Hello. Also, also pretty senior as in age. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we're looking at the likelihood of a Mazda 3 hot hatch in the near future. All-wheel drive MPS turbo, anyone? Mm-hmm. And we'll look at new entrants to the Cars Guide Garage. Plus, we'll catch up with the share price king of the automotive world in this week's Must Watch. Must so watch. stay with us. Uh, but first, we've had some feedback on last week's program, and we were talking about the Hilux, the new 2021 Hilux upgrades to engine and suspension and tech and the way it looks and all of that. And John Gibson says, love the Hilux. Tabletops are my preference. We'll buy one when my 2012 Corolla sedan starts acting up. Utes forever. Every real man should have one. Uh, and <laughs> it caused me to think, I, I don't have a Hilux. No. So um, I, I don't, maybe I, I should. I don't either. Um, Crafty, you're not sitting in a Hilux, are you? No, I'm not, mate. No, an old uh, uh, D22 Navara. So no uh, Hilux. So obviously <laughs> none of us are men. So. About as comfortable <laughs> as the current Hilux. Um, but the, um, the the thing with uh, what some people might not understand what a tabletop is. Uh, ah, tabletop good point. Is a cab chassis, single cab or double cab or yeah. extra cab. And it's just the cab bit. In, in there's no tub at the back. Yeah. It's just Nothing. like a, yep. a flat track. Chassis rails and put what you want on it. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, okay. I, I love that that man is a tabletop enthusiast. Tabletop. <laughs> um, now, David Alexander thinks the new Hilux looks, quote, uninspiring and not in keeping with Toyota's design language uh, that is now throughout their range. It also looks quite similar to some trucks from the US. And I think yeah. that latter part is quite intentional. I mean, it was trying to toughen up the look. Now, our own uh, dear leader, Mal, jumped into the comments and went back with what I think is the, the, the proper response. It's a mid-cycle update as opposed yeah. to an all-new clean sheet model. So it's a bit much to expect it to um, embrace all of the design changes that things like the RAV and, and other yeah. more recent models have. So um, it's, it's a fair comment, I suppose, but, um, it, you know, each to their own. Looks yeah. are always a subjective thing, but it is a mid-model update. And also, you would think that Toyota would be smart with that sort of thing and play it conservative. If even if the new generation Hilux in four or five years, whenever that may be, um, yep. is is more aggressive looking, it's not going to be quite as aggressive looking as a Rav Four or a CHR. That's true. Yep, yeah. that's true. Now, TN Args, who came at us from comments at CarsGuide.com.au, thank you, TN. Um, so do you guys think the new Hilux motor will turn up in the 2021 Prado? And we've actually covered this, that uh, we've asked the question and the answer is no. Sadly, the, the Prado won't get the same engine as the next Hilux. Um, Andrew, 1974, so what I want to say, happy 46th birthday, Andrew. Um, <laughs> oh, awesome. Good on is, you, since, He says, <laughs> since 2015, the manual Hilux has been able to tow 3.5 tonnes. Auto was 3.2 We'd made a big deal about the fact that this 2021 Hilux is going to be able to tow um, three and a half tons. And he yeah. says, look, it's, it's already the case. Mm. Um, and Mal did respond and thank him for that. So thanks for setting us straight. We can't mm. always um, get things right. Now, Wayne Hobbs says, this new Hilux is an engineering disappointment. Oh, Such poor power gee. and torque per litre outputs mm. for a new vehicle. Must be about the lowest in the market, excluding the existing Hilux. 
Hardly the greatest vehicle release in Australia in 2020. Seriously, guys? Question mark. Um, so, all, all, I can say made is, all I can say to that is, um, it's the best-selling vehicle in the country. Um, a lot of people are really interested in it. I think yeah. it's a pretty substantial announcement, the detail, the first batch of details on this car. But, um, Wayne, I, I thought it was funny when the descriptions came back at you and said, fairly provocatively, you obviously do not know what you're talking about. So, <laughs> so then Wayne Hobbs uh, responded in saying, look, please validate that my comments on Hilux specific power and torque outputs per litre are other than that they're inferior to most other turbo diesel twin cabs. And then on the back of that, Ron's 47 came out of the clouds and said, Wayne Hobbs, you still have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Which is kind of cruel. So we're, we're starting, um, our status is that we're starting to get nasty comments, uh, which is brilliant. Excellent. That's a good conversation starter for the comment section. Love it. Keep it coming. But the thing is, yep. um, they, they tune these engines not just for peak power and torque. They yeah. also have to be durable. And that's the yeah. most important thing yeah. for a work ute like this. Yeah. 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 Long term. That is a very good point. Yeah, absolutely. But these, mm. for better or worse, the Hilux, it's like the Defender or something. You're always going to get your two mobs that hate what oh, sure. the other mob says. Yeah. You know, yeah. very divisive. They're all very passionate. You know, Hilux forever, Hilux is a dog, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's wonderful to see them getting stuck into a good old conversation online. So Yeah, yeah I like know in... On your Navara Crafter, you've got that Hilux as a dog sticker on the bumper, haven't you? <laughs> that's right, yeah. yeah. The only good Hilux is a dead Hilux. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. It is, it is funny. It's like the, the Holden versus Ford uh, discussion has now become the Hilux versus Ranger discussion. This yeah. is where the it's, enthusiast base has gone, isn't it? Yeah. It's probably, it's just part of human nature to be a bit tribal about things, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, it's the sport team, sports team that you support. Uh, it's the car that you drive. It's like, I, I know better. You know, maybe it's survival of the fittest um, mm -hmm. is, is uh, the highlights thing. Now, there was also lots of love for Mal's EH Holden wagon, which got a run last week because it was in his garage and it still is, I hope. <laughs> Gary Palmer said, you know, love the EH. But Jim Danik says, great memories of a family trip from Melbourne to the Gold Coast in 1971. Now, that would have been quite a journey in 1971. Yeah. Three family members in the front seat and four in the back, full of gear, including the full-length roof rack, oh. on cross-ply retreads Ooh. with the 179 <laughs> engine. <laughs> Jeez. Now, Mal, Mal came back and said he has the factory accessory roof rack, the full-length roof rack. Yeah, yeah, um, but he yeah. says regular cross plies are exciting enough. Um, mm. His are not retreaded. So, uh, but a oh, great memory, eh? It must have been four kids, but um, seven yeah. people in two rows of wow. seats. That's quite something. Uh, now, just under the heading of general comments, our old mate Hammer Rocks had just seen the next generation uh -huh. BMW 4 Series and asks, are we in another Chris Bangle era at BMW? Meaning, you know, controversial because it's so polarising. A lot of people, I remember when the first Chris Bangle 7 Series uh, was released, people were picketing the four-cylinder building in Munich, um, mm. demanding that he be fired. Uh, there was so much discontent about the designs that he'd come out with. You've, you guys have seen the pics, I presume. What do you, what do you make of it? Oh, it's hideous. <laughs> <laughs> um, coming from what was a beautiful car, the previous generation 4 Series, to this car, which has taken 
sort of the same silhouette, obviously, two-door coupe uh, with, you know, nice muscular haunches, but it's just slapped these graphics on the front and back of it that just don't work. Like, the back's probably okay, in my opinion. Um, the front is divisive on purpose, and that's what Bangle did way back yeah. when. It, yeah. it is it is made to make people talk, um, yeah. and it wouldn't surprise me if two and a half years' time there's a facelift with a rethought uh, grill treatment to make it maybe a little bit more palatable. But there'll be people out there who love it. I know there are people out there who think it's a really yep. attractive piece of design, but I don't. Yeah. Crafty, you're attracted to muscular haunches. Um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you make of it? Did you see me shift uncomfortably in my seat? When it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, look, um, just, just really quickly, I think a lot of the times these vehicle designers are, are having a laugh. I mean, you, Matt talks about, you know, trying to generate a, a, a conversation. It absolutely will. Mm. But will it generate the the sort of equal amount of sales or whatever, or, or sort yeah. of or, or anger in people? I think a lot of the times these guys are just just scribble it down on a on a you know beer coaster at the pub or something. If we're yes. still at pubs, but mm. uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, not my what I would say. If, uh, I remember yeah. one one Bengal design that has actually grown on me. In fact, it, it reached a tipping point some time ago. Um, was the E65 series. Yeah. Now, it, it arrived in the early noughties, and at the time, it had those very um, sleek kind of headlights wrapping around the face of the car and similar yep. taillights cutting into the body, and it was pretty confronting. I think it was way ahead of its time Yeah. Um, yep. and really warmed up over time. Um, mm. I don't know about this one. That, that <laughs> grill is, is so enormous. But that said, the way the number plate positioning splits the grill actually is a throwback to very early BMWs yeah. where the kidney grill was very long. Mm -hmm. um, so there are some little tips of the hat to historical designs. I just, I'm, I'm not attracted to it. It's, it's certainly not my cup of tea. No, I think there'll be an aftermarket scene for replacement front bumper with revised grill <laughs> treatment, you know. AU Forte. Yeah. AU Forte <laughs> Falcon grill. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's anyway. like what we saw with the previous, well, the Land Rover Defender, the sorry, the Defender, yeah. the Discovery, Discovery with the, yep. the tailgate that's asymmetrical. Yeah. You yes. know, there's, there's a Aftermarket. fix for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, um, Jim Danik, uh, we had some correspondence with uh, a person whose YouTube name is Used to Earn Make Money Online Platform. And now <laughs> that, that seemed fairly Russian, but he has come back um, for, for several different comments and he wanted to collab with us. Now, Mal took that to mean a musical collaboration and um, Jim Instead Danik says... immediately writing the script. Jim's, Jim Danik says, Mal's collaboration song could be Ness and Dorma uh, by Pavarotti. Oh, yeah. And that's, um, that went down pretty well with Mal, who says, I'm in, beard is prepped and ready, as is my penchant for pasta... Always up for requests, Jim. And we know that Mal um, is a karaoke. He's just a, a devotee of yeah. the karaoke. So maybe we can get him to do Ness and Dorma, which I believe is from Puccini's Turandot um, mm. next time we're, we're doing that. <laughs> now, TGV, the very fast train, came in with a lengthy contribution focused on a potential Triton Navara, you know, the, the, the yeah. vehicles that will be the outcome yeah. of that alliance uh, sharing between Mitsubishi and Nissan. Mm -hmm. And he says that a Triton Navara just won't work. Triton sells on price. 
which will actually spill the end for Navara. Um, that's mm. the way he sees it. That's the Australian market. Uh, he cites lopsided share model programs where one half doesn't succeed and the product lags. Inevitably, there's going to be one that succeeds and the other doesn't. He's talking about Ranger and BT50 and various others. And in fact, he and Mal got into a conversation that went back and reached back to the button plan where we had all kinds of uh, locally produced cars and others um, badge engineered, mm -hmm. uh, as it were. And inevitably, it was the case that one succeeded and one didn't. Mm -hmm. And that's all about brand perception. You know, a Holden Commodore did well, the Toyota Lexan, not so much. Yeah. Um, Toyota Corolla did well, Holden Nova, no. Pe people really didn't want yep. to know about it. So it's an interesting point of view. Yeah, and we've seen it's like badge engineering is still a thing. Like there's the new Mitsubishi Express, which has come out, which is essentially just a badge on the front of a Renault traffic. Um, yes. This is, it's, it's definitely still a thing in the commercial part of the uh, market because that's where the profits can be made. So it makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, the, the one that I never sense, yeah. thought would sell a single unit was the Fiat Fremont. And yeah. yet you see them out there. So yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Now, Wayne Hobbs is back again. He's back for more. And he says, why, oh, why does this great show, thank you, Wayne, frustratingly note Apple and Android connectivity in reverse market demand and not alphabetically? Uh, does not Android come before Apple alphabetically? And is not Android market share almost double that of Apple? Wow. Petty, I know. Sorry, but why? And um, to that, I'd say, I don't know. It's just the way we've got it. it rolls we've off kind of done it, doesn't it? Yeah. Sorry. It rolls. Probably off does. Computer, yeah. Just to redress the balance, we might start chucking, you know, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay into into some stories. So uh, that just, hopefully that I might pep you up, Wayne. And Wayne, I am now, not going to change. Wow. <laughs> Controversial. Uh, Matt Murdoch, aka Daredevil, says two deal breakers. Uh, for him, when buying a new car, CVT, no matter how they dress it up, he's not yeah. going to buy a car with a CVT. Yeah. Yeah. And not being able to turn off stop-start. For him, oh, that's, yeah. uh, that's another deal-breaker. Yeah. I'm kind of I'm along the same lines with yeah. him um, yeah. on that score. Although I would say that Toyota, Toyota Lexus, that CVT is a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you're going to have a CVT, I think it's uh, near the top of the pack. But he says, great show, guys, but you've got to go off and find some crime. So we, we did determine that um, Matt Murdoch is the alter ego of uh, Daredevil. Yes. Yes. Now, Anthony, to finish off, Anthony Pagano says, when are you going to do the Suzuki Bellino review? Because I'm looking uh, at buying one. And look, I would say that towards the end of last year, Peter Anderson did review uh, the Bellino. I think it was in GL um, Guys yep. Yep. Uh, late last year. And there are other Bellino reviews up on the site. But M4, as our uh, review expert, do you have anything that comes to mind? Have we got a Suzuki Bellino coming up? We don't. Um, the Nothing's changed um, in the in the yep. recent period. So we've got uh, a review by Peter, as you said. Um, we yep. could look at booking the higher spec one, but, um, you know, it's it's such a limited uh, volume car um, that it yep. takes it's, – it's worth uh, a little bit less to us than it is to him, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Now, we'll move on to our main topic of conversation today, which is the kind of industry intel that we've got around an upcoming turbo version of the Mazda 3. Now, this has come out of America, and um, hats off to Jalopnik. They've got some information out of a dealer's intranet 
site that points to a turbocharged Mazda 3. And more than that, it's all-wheel drive. It'll be an auto only, and it's coming pretty soon. Now, that's fired up people's imaginations um, and caused them to think that this could be a re-emergence of a Mazda 3 hot hatch, which would be fantastic. How realistic do you think, M4? Uh, Look, we've been hoping and praying for another MPS uh, for a long time now. Um, The the last MPS Mazda 3 that came out was, it was so powerful that you could barely get the power to the ground. It talks did like mad um, and it had crazy amounts of torque that would just spin the wheels when you accelerated it was unpredictable i, I don't think from it, that i front. don't think it was torque steer. i think that was lane assist that was a very um <laughs> that, that was lane change assist a very rudimentary version yeah primitive version yeah um <laughs> but uh it is funny now I, I i think that um all-wheel drive would definitely uh be the right tact for that sort of car especially considering the u.s market if that's where they're trying to tap into all-wheel drive is much more popular in the u.s than it is in australia because they have okay. much more snow to deal with um and icy roads so um we don't get as much of that in australia so we sort of have uh we're fine with front wheel drive but all-wheel drive means you can get the power to the ground. And if you talk, how much power were, you, were the reports saying, JC? Pretty big numbers, uh, right? Well, it'd probably be uh, 170 kilowatts right. and 420 newton metres. Yeah. Because the, the theory is that it's the existing engine from Mazda 6, CX-5 and CX-9. Right. So that's, they're the outputs from it in those cars. Okay. And is it a, was it a 2.5 or a 2 litre? Uh, I think it's a 2.5. Yeah, okay. Because we, yeah. um, when I went to the launch of the uh, current generation Mazda 3 in the US, um, mm-hmm. the, the question was raised is, does it fit? You know, And the answer was, well, we're not going to answer that. So, <laughs> <laughs> which gave a lot away. I mean, it makes perfect sense that you would want um, to be able to use that uh, platform to have a hot hatch um, you yep. know, it, it also opens the door to a CX-30 hot hatch. Um, so, you know, that semi-raised uh, yes. SUV-ish uh, model. Yep. Um, yep. And that's, you know, that's where the market's moving. So it, it doesn't surprise me that maybe they'd test the waters with the three and, and then potentially do a CX-30 as well. Um, yep. I've been spending a fair bit of time in hot hatches recently. I've uh, driven the uh, Focus ST, the new generation version of that. Um of course, there won't be an RS, so there won't be an all-wheel drive version of it. Um, I've also just had some time in the Renault Megane RS Trophy, another front-wheel drive. Front-wheel drive, yeah. Yeah, um, but with four-wheel steering, um, which I, don't, I didn't like. But the, um, <laughs> the, the point, the, I think the, the way that the market's moving is towards all-wheel drive as a way of getting the grunt to the ground. Yes. Because we're seeing it in, um, you know, the Yaris... CHR and yeah. sorry, sorry, the Yaris GR and the CHR GR will both be yeah. all wheel drive, turbocharged, and they'll offer heaps of grunt and they'll be able to use yeah. it. Yep. Well, I mean, the, the actual hardware that allows you to do that is becoming cheaper, lighter, simpler, all of those things. So it's not as big a deal. I mean, easy for an outsider to just say it's so easy, but it appears to be easier to make what is ostensibly a front wheel drive car all wheel drive because that tech is is just a lot more uh, available. Yeah, yeah. And if there's a, you know, if there's a uh, drive shaft tunnel pressing in the metalwork, then there's space for it 
So yep. um, makes perfect sense. Crafty knows all about getting the grunt to the ground. So <laughs> what do you reckon, Crafty? You into yeah, the and, and, and in cars. Yep. I haven't been to. Oh, I haven't been in too many hot hatches of late. Um, but uh, I mean, all-wheel drive makes sense. You're talking about grunt um, and that much in a sort of comparatively small-bodied vehicle. It's much more of a safer, more sustained and controlled application of of that. And to the ground, so that and, yep. and that'd be a lot of fun to drive. That to me sounds yeah. like it'd be it'd you know just be a barrel of laughs. So well, yeah. in a in a very unusual move for Andrew Chesterton, um, he dialed things up a little bit uh, and said, yeah. "Well, look, Mazda had entered the TCR um, racing championships and they had to homologate um, an engine for that. It's a two liter turbo. Uh, it's a lazy two hundred and sixty one kilowatts. Why don't they just pluck that, productionize it, and put that in the car?" Um, interesting idea and a very long bow to draw, which is actually much more like Chesto's normal uh, operating procedure. Um, <laughs> but um, it's not um, it's not out of the question. You know, they could they could do a detuned, uh, you know, durable version of that engine, uh, maybe with two twenty kilowatts and four hundred newton meters, which is about where most of them are. Yep. Well, you think about the AMG uh, A forty five. Yes, that's at 310 mm. kilowatts and 500 newton metres. Uh, um, they've managed to do it somehow. That's all-wheel drive. Yeah. Um, the, look, the other Mazda 3 news is that a hybrid with the Skyactiv X uh, engine, um, which is the at the higher rev um, petrol compression ignition um, engine, yep. is due in Australia mid-year. So wow. um, we, we should be... Uh, in the next few months, we should be seeing that car. And when I say hybrid, it's a mild 48-volt hybrid system that we've seen from various brands. Yeah. But the two-litre kind of supercharged four-cylinder engine that has had a lot of chat, uh, we should be able to experience it and see it. I think Mal had a drive, um, but uh, I'd love to have a steer of that thing. Yeah, me too. I think it's, um, it's where the tech needs to be going for that car. We've seen Mazda's... Um, sales have dropped off quite a bit in recent times. It's probably partly due to the fact that they aren't offering hybrid cars. Um, yep. And, you know, the likes of Toyota are uh, increasing their hybrid volumes uh, exponentially over the mm. over the last couple of years. And yeah. um, it, it just makes sense that that's what people are looking for. They, they might not necessarily care that much about the actual fuel use, but I think it's yep. being seen to be doing the right thing is is just as important. Well, it, it would appear that our, our mail is that we'll be on the top level Astina model only um, right. to start with, and that we'll also be shared with CX30 um, in the not okay. too distant future as well. So I reckon that's pretty exciting. Mm, definitely. Now, well, that's good. And we'd love to hear your thoughts, um, viewers and listeners, in terms of whether that starts to press your buttons, a, a hot Mazda 3, the return of the MPS. Um, <coughs> is that something you're interested in? But we will turn our attention to the Cars Guide Garage. And Crafty, um, you've been in two different uh, stripes of the Toyota brand. Tell us all about it, please. I have been, mate. I've, I've spent a bit of time in, I guess, opposite ends of the of the feature spectrum. I was in the SR, uh, the Hilux SR, so uh, just above the workmate in terms of spec levels and, uh, you know, uh, 
equipment and that sort of and thing. I th- is it the top seller? I think M4 it is the top selling Hilux's SR. Yes, yeah, su- yeah? surprisingly yeah. it's the, yeah. the best selling variant in the lineup. We didn't know that until I asked Toyota about it a couple of yeah. months ago, or a couple of weeks yeah. ago, and they said, yeah, SR, uh, yeah, yeah. SR5 was the biggest seller by a mile. But yeah. Uh, and it and and you know what I I, I fully understand that because it makes a lot of sense in all terms. Like uh, yeah. as as a work truck, it makes a lot of sense, and you get enough of everything, um, you know, for it to suit that purpose really well. Mm-hmm. But also as a lifestyle vehicle, as a as a platform, you know, as an off road tour, and it's great. It's not quite hose out like a lot of vehicle manufacturers say. Oh, you can hose it out. I'd I'd be <laughs> I'd be a little bit reluctant, but. <laughs> But you oh, don't it's not going to stop you, though, Crafty. <laughs> yeah. But you don't feel as bad when you climb into the thing with muddy boots and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and Yeah, I think I think it strikes a, a pretty good balance of, of price, too, because you just creep in under um, 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and just with the equipment that you get and the safety features and that sort of thing. Um, I had my SR, as tested, had the two grand option pack with the sat-nav and the alloy wheels. Yeah. I think the 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 base model of it uh comes with steelies i'd I'd go steelies but you Mm. know that's that's more unsprung weight so so maybe not the alloys look pretty good but to me you know that's those it's not going to be a deal breaker and also you've got sat nav on your phone so yeah sometimes i think you know if you if you're trying to sort of save a few pennies here and there you know that sort of thing is it's not going to concern you I was going to say, Crafty, that it's the 2021 Hilux will have Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. Well, um, but 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 at this at at this point, it's missing, right? So so uh, having that in it is probably an advantage for some. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, And you know, it's it's great having that uh, that connectivity, um, and it'll be great when it lobs, but. You know, again, that that sort of thing is not a real sort of hard set deal breaker to me. Uh, good, good fun to drive. I mean, if you're expecting a, a, a Hilux ride, then you've you know, then you then you're expecting the right thing. Pretty firm. Uh, I took it on a fair bit of sand, bit of bit of sort of bush sand. Um, it was and, a children's play area, wasn't it? Through the <laughs> through the sand pit. It was a, it was a recently opened um, <coughs> post COVID uh, playground. So I just <laughs> drove straight through the tape. You know, they got the tape there. Just <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, and it's uh, just yeah, Uncle Marcus having <laughs> so a drive. Don't mind yep. me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good good fun to drive. Sort of nothing spectacular, but I'm fine with that. You know, I, I like a lot of these sort of base spec or you know the, the, you know a little bit more sort of. Uh, up spec than a base model like a, i was in the d max and they said and and i like them they got a fair bit of rough charm and and that's fine if they're if they're well priced um and they stick to what they're sort of good at you know i i i admire that so and the the other end of the spectrum jc and matt was uh i was in the kakadu horizon so the kakadu was the top shelf model for the prado uh mm-hmm. top shelf variant uh kakadu horizon is is a special edition or limited edition you know whatever you want to call it uh beyond the kakadu you get a few sort of branding things and a few other bits and pieces unreal super comfortable super capable again i had that thing on some i did go to uh we've got a a a four-wheel drive testing ground an unofficial one uh at an undisclosed location (laughs) so i'm not going to tell you but uh, when I was there, there were a couple of patrols 
um, there and a modified Navara and they couldn't get up a hill that I could have, I got the Prado about three quarters up it, but we all had to take the chicken track because this hill was, <laughs> was very serious. Right. But even the modified vehicles had to go up the left on up the chicken track. So, yeah. um, so still very capable. Um, and, uh, yeah, just really nice inside, not my cup of tea. I sort of yeah. err on the side of the <laughs> lower down the spectrum <laughs> in terms of and leather and all that sort of, I'm, I'm more comfortable in something with, with cloth seats and that sort of thing. I get a little bit. What, what, what kind of ballpark are we talking uh, price-wise in Aussie dollars, Crafty? Jeez, uh, for the Kakadu Horizon, um, I don't know, Matt. It's about a hundred grand, I think. It's, uh, it's in the nineties yeah. or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. As they are, eighty-five. Um, oh, okay. But as tested, jeez, um, I can't for uh, almost ninety. Yeah. Jason. Right. Yeah, so be, which is plenty of plenty of coin, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of dot, so a mm. lot of lot of money. Like you'd have to question yeah. whether you buy that or you go uh, a lower grade two hundred series. And crafty, I know where you'd be spending your money. Yeah, exactly. No, I'd I'd absolutely go the two hundred. Um, and sometimes I think you don't need to go to the top shelf of a vehicle. To get the very best, mm-hmm. I mean, for in terms of money spent and what you get, yeah, I, I think you could you could look sort of mid range, sort of three quarter mm. range up the lineup. Um, it's yeah. a, it's always that law of diminishing returns, isn't it? You know the yeah. the extra the extra money you have to pay a lot more to get a little bit extra. Um, yeah. So this sweet no. spot is somewhere on that yeah. curve. But they do have their fans, and I can see why. And and like I say, you're not sacrificing anything. Uh, with a little bit more luxury and, and sort of refinement, you're not sac- – well, polish, you're not sacrificing anything in terms of capability and, and yeah. those sort of things that are more important to someone who may be looking at it as an off-road touring platform. Or yeah, a- gotcha, gotcha. All right, thank you, Crafty. Now, Matt, you've finally um, got your backside into a car that we've been trying to, to, to uh, get for some time. Tell us yeah. about your experience. So uh, it's the MG3, uh, which is MG's smallest, most affordable model, and it makes up almost 50% of the brand's sales in Australia, Um, but in the three, nearly three, is it three, maybe four, I don't know, it's been a long time since I started at Cars Guide, (laughs) Um, but uh, it was back in October 2017 um, when I... Uh, joined and in November I sent the first email to MG asking for a car Um, and uh, we haven't been able to get one uh, the whole time Um, not really sure why I I, I sort of feel like personally uh, they might be a little bit worried about the review that it might get Um, and without uh, giving too much away they shouldn't be too worried because it's actually a pretty decent little car for the money Um, you know the the one I drove was the higher grade Excite model um, and it's something around $17,000 or $18,000. So um, if you think about that, um, the other way you could think about it is that it comes with a seven-year warranty. So you could be just paying two and a half grand for, uh, per year for warranty for the life exactly. of the car. So, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's a really affordable <laughs> little car, and that's that's one way of looking at it. It's also decently packaged. Um, it's got 
reasonably nice interior material fit and finish. Um, you know, it's got like tartan trim look on the seats and a, an etched tartan aluminium dashboard, which is looks it, really is it the quite Campbell ta- Is it the Campbell tartan? It's not, mate, um, sadly. <laughs> I was wearing my kilt on the day and it just didn't work. But um, So the... Uh, the, the car has a uh, 1.5-litre four-cylinder engine with a four-speed automatic, and that's across both variants. There's a cheaper model called the Core and the Excite, which I drove. Um, it's not the most inspiring engine or transmission. Um, perfectly fine if you're just tootling around town. Uh, it just gets a little bit breathless when you start to ask more of it, and the transmission doesn't really know what it's doing in, in some situations. Um, But the thing that surprised me was the ride comfort and quality and also the steering. Um, To me, it kind of felt almost Volkswagen, Skoda, Audi-ish in the way that it handled bumps, um, particularly at higher speeds, a real assuredness to the ride, um, quite fun to drive in in corners as well. Um, And, you know, I think people who are expecting an MG to offer some element of sportiness to the drive experience won't be too disappointed. I mean, the engine and transmission might not light your fire. It certainly didn't appeal to me too much. Um, But in, in some situations it was actually quite a fun little thing to drive. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting little car. Biggest letdown as uh, a lot of the um, aging uh, light cars have have come to fall victim to is a lack of safety equipment. Um, there's no AEB, there's no lane keeping or blind spot or rear cross traffic. You get a rear camera, you get rear sensors, um, and that's about it. So, right. you know, right. it's it's fairly limited in what you get for the safety. Um, yep. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where you sort of go, eh, I can see why people are buying this car, you know? Okay. Well, I mean, and that's the point, isn't it? That's a nice segue because... Um, in the current market where so many uh, brands are heading south on new car sales, MG is one of the, you know, for want of a better word, the Chinese brands that are bucking the trend and, yeah. and going, going very well. You'd wonder how well they might be doing if times in general were, were a bit better. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, they, uh, they've come into their own in, in what is a depressed market. Mm. Um, and it's not just the MG3 that's selling well. The, the ZS small SUV is going really well for them. The new HS uh, larger SUV, um, it's about the size of a CX-5. Um, my, okay. my contact at MG, uh, a dealership that I was dealing with uh, to get this car, um, he told me that he sold three MG HSs in a week. In a week. Um, so that's and that's more than he can get his hands on. So wow, um, wow. And is that at a regional dealership, Matt? Or? Yeah, yeah. So um, at the moment, I'm based out in Cowra in the Central West, and yeah. I went for a bit of a drive to pick up a car from somewhere nearby. And yeah, the regional dealerships are actually selling plenty, mm. and the same um, same dealership has an LDV franchise and can't get enough of them. So. Well, wow. you know, it's pretty cluey, isn't it? Because the temptation would be to just go where your bigger op- bigger opportunity is and have dealerships in the city. But yeah. if you've got a value for money offering and it doesn't cost too much to set up your franchise, dotting them around rural and regional areas seems to be a pretty clever play. Yeah, and I think that people uh, in the country might be more willing to roll the dice um, mm. and not as uh, brand conscious or, you know... Uh, I guess they don't want to show off to the neighbours as much uh, in a lot of situations. So, sure. um, 
you know, it makes perfect sense that uh, dealerships like that are doing well. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that's fantastic. I, I haven't got uh, anything to talk about this week. I'm still on my long term, but talked about that la- uh, that last week. So I think it's time for Musk Watch. Musk Watch. Right, so normally we finish with this, but I'm going to kick it off with the Tesla share price. Mm-hmm. Now, um, overnight, uh, it went to $1,025 a share. Now, when, when we spoke last week, it was 864 which is plenty, but mm. $1,025.05 uh, to be precise when I checked it. And according to TechSpot, te- uh, Tesla briefly became the most valuable car maker uh, following that uh, surge in the share price. So Toyota, you've got valued a market capitalization based on its uh, share price of uh, $183 billion. And Tesla went past that to $185 billion. So um, while we're recording this, um, I think things may have come back a little bit, but such an incredible high watermark um, for that uh, stock. And the thing... Sorry, sorry, going. I was just going to say, is it just me or is um, the share price of that brand so out of touch with what it's actually doing? <laughs> it's like it's like Donald Trump is to American reality. You know, like there's there's such a huge disconnect between what the company is and what its share yeah. price is. It just seems mm-hmm. so out of touch. I think it, it bursts the the bubble in terms of share traders, share uh, stockbrokers, people that are making recommendations. <clears throat> Pardon me. You think so much of it is based on um, history, very careful analysis of the market. So much of it is just sentiment. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just jump in because everyone else is. There's money yeah. to be made here. And and that's how that's how stock bubbles happen. Yeah. Um, time will tell whether this one is, but gee, it's got all the hallmarks. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I've, yeah. I'm flabbergasted by the price of the shares. <laughs> yeah. Now, apparently, the thing that has partially driven it, according to Engadget, is that Tesla is ready to mass produce the semi, the semi oh. truck, <laughs> the the heavy truck. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, in a staff email to Tesla, uh, the dealer leader said. Quote, it's time to go all out and bring the Tesla Semi to volume production. It's been in limited production so far, which has allowed us to improve many aspects of the design, mm-hmm. uh, Musk said in the memo. Now, also, a guy called James Stevenson on Twitter said to Elon, is the leaked semi-production email legit? And Elon said yes. So that's uh, he's confirmed that that is a genuine message that went out to staff. So that was enough to, to drive the stock higher as well. People going, oh, another product, you know, up mm-hmm. it goes. So is this a tactic by um, Elon to drive the stock price higher? It's in his own financial best interests. Um, who knows? Mm. Um, we'll now move uh, along to a different tweet. Ah, you know, such fertile ground. Um, he <laughs> tweeted during the week, the gerontocracy is out of touch with the people. Okay, right. so... And I'm everyone knows else. what gerontocracy is, yeah. Of course they do. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you don't? And I, I, like everybody else, went to uh, Google. And (laughs) what it means is you've got an older group of people lording it over a much younger populace or another group. 
So he's having a dig at President Trump, who's 72, uh, 73, uh, presumptive Democratic uh, nominee Joe Biden, who is actually 77. He's about mm. 90 House in Speaker, the shade, isn't it, something? <laughs> House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who's 80. Um, and the average age in the US Congress, apparently, is 60. So he's saying that all these uh, older people are lording it over the younger ones. Uh, but defaulting in the comments said, go to bed, Elon, which I thought was a pretty good comeback. Mm. And Girlbot said, geez, Elon, aren't you 49 years old? You're on your way there faster than your rockets. And I thought that was a pretty, pretty solid one. Now, the other one was... Um, Elon came, I, I think it was a week or two ago, said off Twitter for a while, which turned out to be a day. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Tom, who's, he be whose, YouTube handle, <laughs> whose YouTube handle is at Nooktastical. Now, I think that's a reference to Animal Crossing, a game that our kids have been playing just relentlessly, which is primarily about paying Nook miles to a raccoon. All right, that says it all. What? So um, this guy... <laughs> Tom, because there's a character, Tom Nook, says, what is a while? And Ash came in and said, was hoping for forever. <laughs> and Tom said, I too have dreams. So, um, no, it was, it was 24 hours. The other thing he did was he retweeted um, a tweet from Engineering, uh, and it was a catapult. And he says, catapults are a great way to get somewhere fast. Now, ostensibly, it was this person being drawn back on a massive catapult on the top of a skyscraper, being shot across to another one. Amazing video. Of course, it was, it was a fake. Um, and it's actually uh, from Kareem, which is owned by Uber, and it's the biggest uh, ride-hailing app in the Middle East. So they'd made whatever was an intentionally, hopefully, viral video or an ad or whatever. So that's what it turned out to be. But Preston said trebuchets are far superior siege misspelt instruments. Um, Elon Musk then came back and said trebuchet. Now, M4, <laughs> you may get this one. Um, I'm thinking it might be a reference to the Toronto Raptors NBA player who's called Chris Boucher. Um, he's a French-Canadian and he's often on the three-pointers. three, on the three -pointers. It could so, be. Um, it could be. Yeah. Yeah, hence but the then... Try, yeah. um, Pablo RNBSN, which I think means Registered Nurse, Bachelor of Science in Nursing, very huh? well-qualified guy, said, a douche bag, which I thought was a very good, <laughs> good comeback to that all of that. Good. Yes, that, that is, is good. good. That which is good. brings us to the finish line. Uh, we have reached the end for today. Thank you, Crafty. And no, thank, you. thank you, Matt. Thank you. And thanks to our conversation architect, in-house genius, and space travel agent, Mr. Pritchard, for his masterful production skills. Today, he's in his Mr. T shirt, rainbow <laughs> crasio pants, and frog boots. Oh. Absolutely intriguing, as oh, it always. Like, it looks a treat, yeah. They it's do. Awesome. Please pass on the word about the podcast and let us know your thoughts by searching for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram using the hashtag CGPodcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. If you're an iTunes listener, please rate and review us. And remember, you can watch us on YouTube. But before we go, I was talking to an old mate at the auto accessories store, told me he accidentally swallowed a bunch of Scrabble tiles. His next trip to the bathroom could spell disaster. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, thanks, JC. 
<laughs> no. Thanks a lot, JC. You're welcome.